0: Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast on this Wednesday, October 27th 2021. I'm your host John B from gangreennation.com. Thank you so much for making this podcast your first listen each day. It's Mailbag Wednesday on the podcast. And we will have plenty of questions about Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco and more ahead on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are locked on Jets. Your daily New York Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This should be a pretty interesting day around the New York Jets. I presume that by the end of the day, we will know who the starting quarterback will be this Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals. Wednesday is typically the day you begin installing the game plan, and Joe Flacco's here, so he could be here for the entire game plan installation. I guess it comes down to how much of the system Flacco is comfortable with. He's played in a similar offense before, 2014 with Baltimore. Gary Kubiak was his offensive coordinator, and Gary Kubiak worked with Mike Shanahan for a very long time in Denver, and then When Flacco himself was in Denver two years ago, his offensive coordinator was off the Shanahan tree, and of course, the Jets run a quote-unquote Shanahan-style offense, so I guess we'll see. Will it be Flacco? Will it be Mike White? I guess, theoretically, it could even be Josh Johnson, although I would not anticipate Josh Johnson will be coming off the practice squad to start for the Jets on Sunday. We'll just have to wait and see. Anyway, on today's show, we have our weekly mailbag. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions, and let's begin First question comes from Greg. Hey, John, with J- Zach Wilson expected to miss two to four weeks, is it possible that this could be a blessing in disguise? Maybe sitting back and watching from afar could benefit him, and if we get Beckton back, he might be coming back with an improved offensive line. Well, Greg, I think Robert Sala made this point a little bit earlier in the week. He talked about how it'll give Wilson a different perspective, and I think it could help, but it, here's the thing. First of all, Wilson was just coming off the bye. So he should have had a chance to kind of clear his mind. We were talking just last week about how he went to Utah and he was working with his personal coach, John Beck. So I don't know if this is necessarily what he needed a break because he just had a break. The second aspect of this is, yeah, I think giving him a different perspective could help. And again, Salah made that point. But at the same time, it's not like the Jets were putting him on the bench. They wanted him to play. They felt that, you know, maybe there will be some benefits, some different benefits to sitting than there would be playing. And I'm sure you'll hear the phrase mental reps used frequently over the next few weeks, because that's one one thing coaches like to emphasize when a quarterback's on the bench, how they get a different viewpoint. But ultimately, it's not like the Jets thought that that was the most beneficial thing for him, because they were going to continue starting him. So to an extent, maybe but it's not like this was plan A for the Jets, and I don't think we can pretend it really is. Next question comes from Tim. Hi, John. I'm a daily listener, and occasional questioner, and while I agree with 90% of your commentary, I feel that you are way off in your evaluation of Joe D with the backup quarterback situation. With Joe Douglas's ties to the Eagles and the rapid nature of the trade, I think it is very plausible he had a trade with the Eagles worked out in case of an injury to Zach. Flacco wanted a chance to compete for the starting job, as did Nick Foles, and not every veteran is cut out to mentor a young quarterback. So my theory is that he let Flacco go, knowing that the price would be right if needed. So he essentially parked him on the Eagles roster. That Flacco wasn't mopping up against the Pats is no consequence, and Douglas saved the Jets a bit of money, and that they were not carrying him on the roster since the beginning of the season. A sixth-round pick usually doesn't amount to much, and your anguish over the issue is completely overwrought. All right, um, Tim, I disagree with you on a couple of points here. First of all, okay, fine, it did not hurt the Jets against New England, but Joe Douglas didn't know that. There was no way Joe Douglas could have known that if Zach Wilson got injured, it was going to be in a game where the Jets were getting blown out anyway. It could have just as easily happened against the Tennessee Titans. I mean, if Zach had gone down in the fourth quarter against the Titans, Jets would have been in some pretty big trouble there. The second issue I see is that you can't tell me that the Jets had a deal worked out with the Eagles because what would have happened if Zach had gone down after the trade deadline? And the other issue here is what would have happened if Flacco needed to play for the Eagles? Let's say something happened to Jalen Hurts. Well, now Flacco's not available. So I just don't see it. I think he just neglected the backup quarterback spot. And my anguish over it is not so much over the Flacco trade itself. It's that this was something that was obvious to me for months. I was talking about it for months. I said, going back, you know, to the spring or summer that they needed to do a better job with the backup quarterback spot. And he just ignored it. There's I don't think there's any way that he planned on trading for Flacco. I don't think there's any way he, his plan a was to trade for Flacco. I don't think that there was some deal that was already struck. I mean, Flacco wasn't going to compete for the Philadelphia job. It was obvious Jalen Hurts was going to be starting for the Eagles. I don't think there was anywhere Flacco had a viable chance of starting. Now, there were some reports that Flacco wanted to go to Philadelphia, that he chose Philadelphia over the Jets, which is not really something that vindicates this move. I mean, I'm not sure how much I love the thought that this guy did not want to be here and now he's back here. But that said, I mean, look, in the short term, the deal does make some sense because your alternative was starting Mike White. But it's just very poor planning, I think. You know, fine, he saved a little bit of money, but he lost a draft pick. You know, you can't give him credit for saving a little bit of money and then just ignore the fact he traded a draft pick. And you could say, well, the draft pick isn't very much. Well, that's fine. But the money he saved also was very small. And again, he put the Jets in danger. I mean, if, again, if Zach gets hurt in a game where the defense is actually playing well, it's not like Joe Douglas had the foresight To know that the Jets' defense would play horribly in a game Zach Wilson got hurt. I I don't think that you can really look at this. At least that's my opinion. Tim, I guess you disagree. Uh, My opinion is that Joe Douglas just dropped the ball on the backup quarterback spot. And listen, that's not me saying Joe Douglas needs to be fired today. It's not me saying Joe Douglas is a guy I now have no hope in. It's just me saying I think Joe Douglas handled this spot poorly. I think that if you look at Joe Douglas's tenure, if we're going to be fair... There have been two specific spots that are not that hard to fill that he has just neglected. One is backup quarterback, and one is kicker. Those are two spots that should not be that difficult to fill, and Joe Douglas has just kind of ignored them to the Jets' detriment. I mean, there's a lot of other issues with Joe Douglas's moves not working out, but those are spots that are a little bit more difficult to do successfully. Backup quarterback and kicker should not be as hard as the Jets have made them out to be. I mean, if we're talking about backup quarterback... I don't want to have to play this this elaborate game to get a backup quarterback in here where I have this side deal worked out with some other team. If and we'll only do it if we need to because we're going to save a million dollars against the cap just get a good backup quarterback in here. And by the way, like Flacco was not a great option anyway. The Jets could have done better than Flacco this offseason. And that's something that's a point that I'm not sure I made clear enough is my issue is not even that he let, let Flacco go. Now, my issue is a little bit that he let Flacco go since he decided to give up a pick to get Flacco back. But okay, let's say hypothetically Flacco didn't want to be here. Well, there were better options available than Joe Flacco. And I, I do think, you're fine, it's it's fair to say my anguish is overwrought. I do think that that's a fair point. And part of it's just because for months I've been saying this and I'm just annoyed that it was so obvious to me, but it wasn't obvious to the general manager of the team. Listen, let's be fair. Most backup quarterbacks, you're probably not going to win games, especially with the roster the Jets have. To win games with your backup quarterback, typically everything needs to go perfect. I mean, if you bring in even like a high-end backup, like one of the guys on Chicago, like an Andy Dalton or a Nick Foles, they're going to be hard-pressed to win games with this team. But one of them at least gives you a theoretical chance in any game you go into, and the Jets left themselves with Mike White. And again, If Mike White goes into a competitive game, the Jets lose. You know, if that game against New England is a seven-point game in the fourth quarter, Joe Douglas has cost them a game. And again, maybe maybe it's a little overwrought. I, I think that's a fair point by Tim. Jets are not really going anywhere this season anyway, but you want to try and win games. And the general manager did not put the Jets in a position to win games, and it's because I think he neglected this spot. So I do think he deserves criticism for that now hopefully joe flacco gives the jets a little bit more upside on sunday and i want to tell you about an incredible app you need to know about if you buy gas it's called get upside and my listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up just download the free get upside app in the app store or google play right now use promo code touchdown and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up that's up to 50 cents cash back don't pay full price at the pump anymore get cash back using get upside just download the app for free and use promo code touchdown to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive are making as much as two or $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime in your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code touchdown. Thanks again for making Locked On Jets your first listen each day. Today we have our weekly Wednesday mailbag show. Let's continue our next question. I'm curious as to why people think Salah and LaFleur came from this illustrious coaching tree of Kyle Shanahan. I mean, really, what has Shanahan done? How many Super Bowls has he won? They were 6-10 last year, and they are 2-4 this year. That's not exactly great coaching. I think the Jets' game plans have predictable up-the-middle running followed by low-percentage long passes, and a defense that plays a soft zone that's so soft that everything thrown short goes for at least 10 yards is not coaching genius. It's coaching fools gold. You know, that's not a bad point about Kyle Shanahan. I think what happened is two years ago, Shanahan took the 49ers to the Super Bowl and they had a great offense. And last year they had a bad season, but every, everybody kind of wrote it off because they had so many injuries. And to be fair, Salah did a very good job with that defense relative to the talent that they lost. But yeah, right now, Kyle Shanahan's not looking as great as he was in the off season. I will say this. Shanahan has implemented a lot of principles across the NFL that are some of the offensive best practices. You know, you look across the league, there are lots of people off the Mike Shanahan coaching tree and Kyle Shanahan's his son, and you see a lot of them coming up with the big offensive innovations in the game. So there's an element of that, but absolutely. I think it's kind of funny because the Jets hired Joe Douglas when he was with the Eagles and the Eagles were looking like a great franchise. And, you know, people said, well, we want to build ourselves in the models of the model of the Eagles. That's not looking so great right now. And Salah was hired and he brought LaFleur with him because the Jets wanted to build themselves like the 49ers. And now the 49ers are not looking like such a model franchise. But here's the thing. I think sometimes people get the wrong idea when they say things like that. You're not even if like you're talking about a successful franchise, you're not going to bring. And we've seen this over and over with New England. Just bringing in a Patriots assistant coach doesn't mean that you're automatically going to turn your franchise into New England. You have to develop your own culture. You have to develop your own style of doing things. I mean, how many different Belichick assistants have failed somewhere? Just because you take a Belichick assistant doesn't mean that that guy's going to become Belichick and turn your franchise into the Patriots. You've got to hire the right people. I think sometimes that's something that gets forgotten in these coaching and general manager searches. You're not trying to recreate another team's success. You're trying to find somebody who can build his own thing. And I think, you know, sometimes people who don't come from the elite franchises are overlooked. These people might be in great leadership roles, but coaching staffs and front offices are also teams. You have great players on bad teams. You also have great coaches and great executives who just happen to be on the wrong team. So I think it's fair to say maybe the Kyle Shanahan connection is a little overrated. And, you know, I praised his offensive acumen. Mike LaFleur is not showing a lot of offensive acumen, but ultimately it's less about where these guys came from and more about what they can do going forward. Our next question, John, it's week seven and the Jets defense has yet to record an interception. Also the last two games against both Atlanta and New England, those teams were able to move the ball up and down the field with ease. What kind of adjustments do Salah and Ulbricht need to make schematically? Well, it's kind of tricky because they're playing a very conservative zone. I mean, the drops that the intermediate area defenders are making are really big. They're essentially trying to take... I think a lot of these plays, they're trying to take away the intermediate zone. People are asking, why can't the Jets defend a screen? Well, in a lot of these cases, they don't even need a screen because there's nobody to block because the Jets defenders are dropping so far down the field because they're trying to take away the intermediate passing game that there's nobody in the short part of the field to tackle anybody who catches the ball. So I understand that there will, there's going to be some criticism for that, but you also have a very young and experienced back of this defense. Now less so with Marcus Maybach, but the corners are very young and inexperienced and it's not clear how well they'd hold up without all that extra help. So I think what they're doing is they're kind of sacrificing the short part of the field. They're willing to give up short completions in exchange for not getting beat deep, and they just hope that they rally to the ball. Now, an experienced quarterback like Matt Ryan can take advantage of that, and that kind of fits Matt Jones's game. So he was able to take advantage of that. I don't know how much it changed it, though, because do you want to leave these corners exposed? It may just be something you have to live with and hope guys are better rallying to the football. Now, what makes this tricky is that the Jets are playing a bend-but-don't-break style defense, and they've taken it to such an extreme... And most of the time when you have teams playing this style, the way they get off the field is they're good at forcing turnovers. You look at some of the iconic defenses in the league that were more read and react, bend but don't break. The way they got themselves off the field, the way they got themselves rest was by forcing turnovers, either an interception or a fumble. Now, other defenses, more attacking style defenses, they're able to force the big plays. They're able to get the three and outs. They're able to, you know, get a sack and force a punt. This defense isn't like that. So you kind of have to lean more on forcing turnovers. But if you're going to allow the other team to complete passes in front of you, you're not going to have many chances to get an interception. So it's difficult because if you challenge the shorter part of the field, you leave yourself exposed at the back to big plays. It's a talent issue. I mean, more than anything, I know people don't want to hear that. It's still a talent issue. It's still an inexperience issue. I mean, the one thing I'd say is that if you're not going to get many opportunities for an interception... I think the Jets' defenders have to be more aggressive at trying to force fumbles, trying to get the ball separated from offensive players. And that means more than the first tackler is that when the second guy goes in, he should be trying to strip the ball. That's one thing that you see frequently in defenses like this. And it's it's unusual because typically zone defenses are able to force interceptions better than man-to-man defenses. And the Jets are a pretty heavy zone team. And the reason for that is if you're playing man-to-man, you're following a guy all over the field. You have to pay attention to that guy the entire time. Whereas when you're playing zone, you have a small area. So you're not always occupied by finding a defender. It gives you more time to look at the quarterback and see where the ball is going. But the style of zone the Jets are playing is not lending itself to interception. So I'm not sure there are any easy fixes. I mean, the one thing I'd say is they have to do better at forcing fumbles. I mean, that's the only thing I can really come up with right now. Next question. If you could swap offensive coordinators with any other team with Zach in mind, who would you pick and why? So I'm assuming we're not going with head coaches who run the offense. So I'm assuming I can't pick like a Sean Payton or a Sean McVay. I mean, I guess Brian Dable out of Buffalo. He's done it. He's done a good job developing Josh Allen. I guess he'd he'd be the guy. It's, It's difficult because a lot of these guys are involved head coaches who are really running the offense but I I guess Dable would be the guy I'd choose. A lot of people would probably tell you that his odds of becoming a head coach are pretty good and you should know that Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the football action this season if you want to bet. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON one word with no space L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. And as you prepare for this weekend's game, as the Jets will take on the Cincinnati Bengals, you're probably looking for snacks for the game. And if you haven't tried Built Bar by now, you're missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Built Bars are low carb, low calorie, low sugar, and high in protein. So all the healthy benefits, on top of being delicious, these are protein bars that taste like candy bars. And another great thing about Built Bars, there are so many mouth-watering flavors, including coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and cherry barcia. And this month, Built Bar is coming out with new limited time flavors every three to four days. So check their website often. You don't want to miss out. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five, for 15% off at built, B-U-I-L-T, tcom This is the Locked on Jets podcast on this Mailbag Wednesday. Our next question is, Joe Flacco is being hyped as a mentor to Zach Wilson, which is a little too late for 2021, but not for Wilson's long-term development, potentially. My bigger question is what Flacco can teach the offensive coaching staff who doesn't seem to understand how certain concepts work together. Do you think Joe Douglas should just try to bring in more offensive minds, like former quarterbacks, to boost the offensive IQ of the organization? Well... I am always skeptical of the idea that the veteran quarterback mentoring is a skill. I mean, I don't know that Joe Fl- what Joe Flacco tells Zach Wilson is going to make or break Wilson's career any more than what Josh McCown would tell him. I'm not sure like Flacco versus McCown versus any other veteran mentor is really going to make a material difference. I hear this all the time, like, oh, well, this guy mentored this quarterback and it didn't work out. Well, it has nothing to do with who the veteran mentor is. I mean, yeah, I think it can help to have a veteran around just to kind of show a young guy how you prepare, how to study film, how to do things off the field. I'm sure that helps, but it's not like a quarterback is a bust because his veteran mentor did it wrong. So I'm always skeptical of that. I'm not skeptical of the concept of the veteran mentor, but I'm skeptical of the idea that like the veteran mentor can mess up the quarterback by mentoring him wrong. But as far as this goes, I mean, look, I mean, Joe Flacco actually is older than Michael LaFleur, so that's an interesting dynamic you've got there. But if the Jets need Joe Flacco to come in there and fix the offensive coaching, we've got a big problem here. I mean, the backup quarterback should not be coming in and fixing the offense. And I'm talking schematically. That I mean, if if the Jets coaching staff can't figure it out on its own, if they need a player to come in and show them what they're doing wrong, then we have the wrong people Involved, so I don't think that that's going to happen. I certainly hope that's not going to happen, because we got even bigger problems than we thought here. If that's the case, and our last question, John, how hot should Lafleur's seat be? I've seen some call. I've seen him call some very good plays that players did not execute. We have a rookie quarterback, so there are always struggles there. However, our first halves are as bad or worse than the Adam Gase era. What has to change to improve this? You know, it's a great question, and I think at the end of the season, you always have to evaluate the coaching staff, and especially a rookie head coach like Robert Sala, he's kind of learning what he wants out of his coaching staff. I think that it's typical that you see changes after the first year of a rookie coach, because he goes into the job thinking it's going to be one thing, and then experience teaches him, you know what, I want something different out of this coaching position. I do not think you can say LaFleur has done a very good job. And over the last couple of games, I've seen some things that have really alarmed me. Now, I think the offensive coordinator always gets too much blame when things go wrong. And to be honest with you, on a couple of Wilson's interceptions this year, LaFleur schemed a guy open and Wilson just missed him. And that's not on LaFleur, that's on Wilson. But I'm also seeing some troubling tendencies out of LaFleur. And, you know, one that jumps out to me is the first series of Sunday's game where they run the ball twice and LaFleur, in discussions with the media, has said, well, I wanted to make Zach Wilson's job as easy as possible. You can't just, like, say stuff without thinking it through. You got to think this through. There are very few teams that rush for five yards per carry, and the Jets are not one of them, especially out of two tight end personnel. So if you're running the ball twice, you're putting your quarterback in a position where his first throw is going to be third down, which is not an easy position to be in. So when you're saying... I ran the ball twice to make the quarterback's job easier. That doesn't make any sense. And this was one of the things that drove me crazy with Gase. Gase always said stuff that made no sense. He was talking about, Gase would always talk about how, you know, you had 10 play drives and we stopped executing at the end. Well, of course you did. First of all, your team's not talented, but even for a talented team, it's difficult to execute 10 plays in a row. You got to score before 10 plays. And that's one of those things that showed me Gase did not conceive of what offense really is in the NFL. And when little floors going out saying stuff like, "Well, I ran the ball twice to make Zach's life easier." Well, you didn't. You made his life harder because you put him in a situation where he could not ease himself into the game. You put himself in. You put him into a position where his first throw was a difficult situation, a third down where New England was going to be able to blitz, show all sorts of different looks. That's not what you want. You look across this team, and, you know, there are always these questions about Mims, and maybe we'll find out more in the weeks ahead you know, whether it's There's always possible Mims is not as good as everybody thinks he is, but that's an open question mark. The way the team's using Elijah Moore, I'm not sure I understand all the use of two tight end personnel, but more than anything, I think if we're talking about what we need to see out of LaFleur, we need, we need to see him actually make Zach's life easier, because that, as much as anything, is the job of the rookie offensive coordinator. And it's not enough to make his life harder and then tell the media, oh, I was trying to make his life easier. You need to actually make his life easier. So that, to me, is like the number one criteria to see whether we're going to go on. Because right now you do have to wonder, is he up for this job? Did he get this job too soon? And that's a question that I think will only be answered in time. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. I hope you have a great Wednesday and we'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.